what we're seeing here in Second Chronicles chapter 5, it is the dedication of Solomon's temple. And before I uh, focus on a passage in this uh, that we just read, I want to point out a couple other verses because it's important we understand what was going on right here. But in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, you have to turn there, but it says, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month Ziph, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. So 480 years after they came out of Egypt, they start building the temple. And in Second Chronicles 8, 1, it says, And it came to pass at the end of 20 years, wherein Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house. So we, we can understand this event that we're reading about here, 500 years after they came out of the land of Egypt. 500 years they had been using a tabernacle. For 40 years, they had, you know, it was moving around as they were uh, wandering the wilderness. And then uh, eventually, they kind of set up a spot in Jerusalem that was their main city. But then eventually, after 500 years, they no longer have a tabernacle. I mean, that's hard for us to imagine 500 years of history. I mean, in America, we've only got about 250 years of history. They had a way they had been doing things for 500 years. And now they have this temple so imagine the excitement that must have been in the air that day and so they're going to have this dedication we're not going to go through the whole chapter but we see how they're sacrificing just a ton of animals just giving this great offering to god and this is this is a great time in israel's history but in verse 12 it says also the levites which were the singers all of them of asaph of Heman, of jaduthan of their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood on the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that, that then the house was filled with the cloud even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand and minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And what in a moment that must have been right there. I mean, thinking about thousands of people singing, you got hundreds of people on instruments, and then they all just let a rip. And folks, when they did, I mean, we see the presence of God literally showed up, filled the house of the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, that had to have been a great moment that had that I would have loved to have been present for that moment. I've been I've been at some pretty amazing moments where there was some really good music. I remember years ago we went to we were in Schaumburg, we went to the music college that Majesty Music puts on, and there was a lot of really good singers. They had a choir of probably three or four hundred people, good singers. They had an orchestra there, and then uh, we had practiced a song like where we did a fancy descant for for a hymn. And then we had a performance night where you had a big audience of people and they're all singing the hymn and we're doing our part and the orchestra's going. And it was just, it was a good moment, ladies and gentlemen. It was one of those things that you remember and it was a very great, a great experience. And I'm, but this really had to have been something to be a part of. And now I don't believe we should go to this passage necessarily and then try to figure out now how can we conjure up the presence of God in the same way? I don't, I don't think that's, that's not what I want to try to do. I'm not going to try to figure out how we can fill the presence of the Lord of this place so much that we all have to leave. 
right? And maybe that's what's happening at camp meetings when people go running out of the building, you know. But I, I don't think it's the same thing. But I, I do think, because, you know, it, this was a very special moment. 500 years after they come out of Egypt, the dedication of the first temple that was a place where the presence of God was going to dwell. I think this was God kind of showing his approval of what they've done. We don't have a temple like that today. Our bodies are the temple of God. And, and, and you know, we're going we're gonna to get into some of the differences between where we are now under the new covenant. But there's definitely some things that we can learn, some patterns that we see in here that I think will help us when it comes to music and worship. Because I don't believe that music and worship went away with the law. I believe we should still have music in church. We should still have worship in church. And let me just tell you something. You know, we are, we're very Baptist around here. And we're normally proud of that. But, you know, with being Baptist, you know, we've all got some of our own issues, too. And I was watching everybody because, you know, I, I knew what I was going to be preaching. I was watching you all during the song service today. And let me tell you, we are definitely in a Baptist church. And we need to fix a few things, all right? I'm, I'm going to get on your cases a little bit today. And I, and I hope you don't get offended. Don't take it too personal. Y'all act a lot like most independent fundamental Baptists, and we really need to work on some of this stuff. But first off, without a doubt, I think one of the reasons this was so, such an exciting thing, there no doubt had been a lot of preparation that went into this moment. You know, you don't just get 120, 120 guys on a trumpet and then all do the same thing. You don't get all the instruments together and all the singers together and them all do the same thing without some rehearsal, without some practice. A lot of preparation went into it. You know, a lot of people, they want good music in a church, but they don't want to do any practice. They don't want to do any preparation. And Pastor, I think we ought to have a choir in the church. Amen. I think we ought to have a choir too, but I'm not showing up for practice. Or, you know, or they'll complain because the practice, you know, the choir stinks and then they don't practice. You know, the music stinks, but then they, they don't want to show up for practice. You know, it's amazing the things that, you know, people want, but they want it for nothing. And I'm telling you, good music, it doesn't just happen. But a lot of preparation went into this. And it's, it's said life isn't a musical. Okay? We're not just going to have somebody walk in one of these days and then orchestra music's going to start playing. Everyone's going to start dancing in sync with each other like it was choreographed. Life's not a musical. I wish it was, but it's not. Okay? We're not going to have any of those magical moments like that, not without some practice. You know, in the, and in the Old Testament, we see that music was a major thing that involved many people. We go to a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to hit a couple. But in First Chronicles 9, verse 33, it says, And these are the singers, chief of the fathers of the Levites, who returning in the chambers were free, for they were employed in that work day and night. These chief fathers of the Levites were chief throughout their generations that dwell in Jerusalem. So notice that you know back then, they, did, they had Levites. That was their job. That was what they worked on day and night. Music, you know, and, um, you know, for some people that are passionate about music, I mean, you know, that would be nice if like that was all you did was just worked on music all the time, you know, and, you know, we would like to get, you know, I mean, have you ever, uh, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but have you know, you ever watch musical performances somewhere? I just watched a thing where it was kind of like an opera thing. It was real fancy with the, uh, with these three, I don't know who they were, they weren't the three tenors, but these opera guys, they were singing the Holy City. And the reason I was watching that is because I'm getting ready to go to Israel. And one of the great moments I had when I went to Israel 23 years ago is we were riding a bus into Jerusalem and they had the song, The Holy City, playing on there. And it was just, let me tell you, it was a great moment. I went and watched a video of it this week 
And I plan on recreating that moment when I go back. And so I was like downloading some different versions of it on my phone. But I was listening to that and I thought, man, that is, this is so stinking good. But you know, and, and a lot of people, they want that kind of thing, but nobody wants to invest in that. Nobody wants to, you know, support people that are putting out good music, you know, em- employing people in that area. It's amazing what churches expect today from volunteers. It, it really is. And thank God for volunteers. Thank God for them. But, you know, if we really want to get serious about some of this stuff, you know, I, I, th- I think it's something, and we do, we do around here, we, you know, we invest in that, we put a lot of work into it, and I think it's worth it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 16, it says, And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. So the Levites appointed him in the son of Joel and his Brethren, and Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and the son of Moriah, and their brethren, Ethan, the son of Cushiah, and with them their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, and Jaziel, and Shemaramoth, and Jehiel, and Unai, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and Messiah, Messiah, and Alephala, Milkaniah, and obed and Jehiel, the porters. So the singers, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan, were appointed to sound with cymbals of brass. And Zechariah, and Aziel, and Shemaramoth, and Jehiel, and Unai, and Eliab, and Messiah, and Benaiah, with psalteries, on Alamoth, and Mattathiah, and Alephalah, Mechniah, and Obed-Edom, and Jael, and Azaziah, with the harps, on the Sheminath, and Gnosis, to excel. And Shenaniah, chief of the Levites, was for the song. He instructed about the song, because he was skillful. These guys were good at what they did. So that, you know, if you're going to employ somebody on it, you're going to pick the people that are good at it. You're going to pick the people that know what they're doing. And, they could sell. and you know why they did this? You know why they had all this? Because worship was a very important thing to them. It was a major part of their life as, as Jews, as Hebrews, and they, did, they, they appointed a bunch of people to these things because it was really, really important. Because let me tell you, mute, there, there's nothing that puts you in a worshipful mood better than good music. There's nothing that sets the mood, sets the tone, gets you in the right frame of mind than music. And what a blessing it must have been back then to have all these people who their lives were devoted to the music in the worship of the Lord, you know, what a great thing that must have been to listen to. What a great thing that must have been to participate in that. I I mean, what a a great thing that would have been. But another thing that's important to note is the focus of the congregation on that moment. Because remember, not only are they dedicating the first temple, but it also would have been an architectural wonder of that day. It's no longer just a tabernacle, just a tent. This was an architectural wonder of that day. And I believe that there was an excitement in the air with what was going on. I think when people all gathered, they're coming in multitudes to see this magnificent temple. They're excited. They're offering all these sacrifices to God. They've got the music all ready. There's been preparation put in this. There's a buzz in the air. There's an excitement in the air. People are ready to go. Let me tell you, I, I, and this is just my opinion. I think the, I, I imagine the most of the musicians that day, they probably got there a little early, like ready to go. I mean, they're excited. They're getting their instruments all tuned up. They're ready to go. You know, they didn't come. They, I, I guarantee they weren't running in two minutes before they were supposed to start. They're huffing and puffing and showing everybody how stressed out they are. And I'm so busy and what a great sacrifice it is that I'm here and everybody should be appreciating me right now. You know, more than the people who showed up plenty of time to get ready. You know, because, you know, I don't think it was that way. They were probably there, ready to go, early, excited. They were, they were focused. They were united. It mentions how they lifted up their voices and they, as to make 
one sound. They were all together. And let me tell you, there's something about just when we all, you know, that you, there's nothing that unites us more than music. When we're all doing the same thing, we're all a part of what's going on. The music, Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Think about what it would be like if we all just started singing our own song during a service. That wouldn't be pleasant, would it? That would be chaotic. I remember years ago, my dad, to do an illustration, he went and he told the song leader, he said, I want you to tell the congregation to turn to one song, but then when you go to lead the singing, I want you to lead a different song. And then he told the piano player, I want you to play a completely different song. It was all planned ahead of time. The organ player, you play a completely different song. And I remember all of a sudden, he announced that, and then everything just started, and it was just pandemonium. And then, like, hardly anybody's singing. Everybody's just looking around like, what, what's happening? And it sounded terrible. You know, it's, and let me tell you, the organ player, she was a good organ player. Piano player is a good piano player. The song leader is a good singer. The congregation knew how to sing. But when they weren't working together, it was a nightmare. And let me tell you something, you know, that's how it is in a lot of churches. You know, people, they do, they get a very self-centered mindset on everything. And when that happens, it's chaotic. We're supposed to be united. And, there, and, and while that's always challenging, you know, music seems to just unite better, you know, better than just about anything. You know, and think about this too. What are two of the most feel-good moments in a baseball game? Typically, the national anthem. You know, everybody's united. Everybody stands up. You know, guys take off their hat. You know, they've got, we've got their customs there. So it's, a, it's a feel-good moment. I like that moment. And you know what else is a feel-good moment in a ball game? What's it? What else? Seventh inning stretch, where we sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," and I don't know. There's just something about thousands of people singing a song together. It's a good feel-good moment. It's not really a spiritual moment, but it's a good feel-good moment. Why? Because even though there is, listen, there's nothing spiritual about "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," but you know what? There's something to be said about thousands of people just being united on something especially in a world where we're all just fighting over everything. And even the national anthem, most people are so stinking self-centered today, you know, they all got to do something, you know, like take a knee or something, you know, because I got to represent who I am. I got to, you know, I, I've got to be represented. America is imperfect for everyone. And I feel like I'm a marginalized person. And so something needs to be done to recognize me. And so, I'm, you know, I heard England took a knee during our national anthem during the World Cup. Listen, I don't give a rip about the World Cup, but you know what? I got ticked off when I heard about that. You know what? They don't get to protest our country. We've already kicked their backside in a couple wars. And, you know, did, did we kick their backside in soccer? I didn't even find out about that. It was a tie? A draw? Ah, lame. Well, I don't know how that stuff works. But, you know, I got, I got ticked off when I heard about that. I don't want to. Uh, I, was, I was about to say a few things about England. I don't want to get sidetracked. All right. <laughs> don't want to, don't want to get sidetracked, but you know I, I I'm sick I'm sick of people with this attitude. You know it is the reason people have to take a knee, the reason people have to do all that kind of stuff. They're not capable of just having a moment where we can just be united on something. Everybody's got to you know get the focus on themselves. Everybody's got to have the attention on themselves. And let me tell you, I'm not impressed by that. In fact, I'm disgusted by that. And we don't need to be that way. And if people don't like it, you know they don't they don't have to go to these things. You know, if, if I know they're going to do something that I just can't handle at a ball game or something, I'm just not going to go. You know, I don't go to a gay pride parade and demand to be represented somewhere. I just don't go. I just don't have anything to do with it. 
They don't care about me there. I don't care about them. I, I, I don't feel like I need to be represented there. I don't go protesting movies because they haven't got an independent fundamental Baptist being represented on there. I'm, always, I'm usually glad when they don't because they typically shine us in a negative light. But I, I don't, I don't it, it's just amazing. Everything's about us today. We can't have unity on anything. And let me tell you, a lot of people come into church with that same attitude. You know, and when it, even when it comes to the worship, oh, this isn't my favorite song. I don't particularly care for this song. I don't really care for this. Hey, it's not about you. Everybody else is singing. Everybody else is having a good time. But no, you, you got to have an attitude about it. Well, I don't like who's singing the song. I don't, I, I don't like this. Listen, this isn't about you. Okay? And I'm, listen, I'm so tired of people not doing what they're supposed to do as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, because they have an issue with somebody in the church. Nobody cares. Listen, we have been commanded to forbear one another. We have been commanded to forgive one another. We are supposed to put up with each other. We are not here focusing on each other. We're not focusing on somebody on the other side of the room. We are here focusing on Jesus Christ. And you know what we do? We, we unite. We work together. We are of one mind. We have unity. And you know, if you have an issue, you have no business when we're coming to a, to a time of worship and unity to just bring that baggage with you. You have, you have no business doing that kind of thing. And, and boy, you know, you, when you do that, you put a damper on everything. And it's just amazing how if people show up, they want to somehow be noticed. They've got to some, if, if they got a problem, they got to somehow make sure everybody knows it. If they're not going to be here, they got to make sure everybody notices. It's, it's amazing just how self-centered we are. And let me tell you, that's not how it's supposed to be. If we want to have some good moments in our worship, we have got to be united. And we've got to be focused on the right things. And let me tell you too, you know, most Baptists, including all of you in here, every one of you in here, I was watching. You know, if you went to a ball game, yeah, and when they sing the national anthem in the seventh inning stress, most of you wouldn't be able to sing along unless you had a hymn book in your face. Okay, now, now folks, listen. I, don't, I just don't think we're going to have a moment okay, when we're like this during the song. I mean, come on. You know, I, I think that's why a lot of people are going to the screens. That's the only way they can get them to look up. Let me tell you, these, these weren't invented to block the sound from your face and to hide your face while you're singing. Okay? It's there to help you learn the songs, to help you learn parts and all that kind of stuff. But folks, good night. It is well, the orchestra, they had preparation. They were ready. They did a great job. You all buried your face in your hymn book. You don't know it is well with my soul yet? I mean, really, Baptist, we don't know any of these songs by heart yet? You know what? Listen, when you come ready to worship, okay, when you come ready, this, you know, it, when you're ready to sing, obviously you don't know what the song's going to be a lot of times, but you know what? What, what needs to happen, okay? I'm not trying, I'm not trying to program anybody and, and just, but, but you know, th this is what you should see when a church gets up to sing it as well with my soul. When, it, when a person's ready to worship, when they are ready to sing praise to God, when they, when they stand up and he's like, take your hymn books, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take your hymn book when he says number whatever it is, and it is well with my soul. I don't need the hymn book for that. I don't need the hymn book for it is well with my soul. There's a lot of these songs. I don't need a hymn book for it. Hey, I like that song. And you know what? I know every word. It's time to sing. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Listen, but you know, sometimes we do. We just, we clam up way too much. You know what? It's okay to lose yourself. The cameras aren't on you. Okay? We're not, we're not, we're not going to film you. 
Brother Matt's not going to be about, you know, pointing at the camera at the person that's having time. No, listen, just, it's okay. But I'm telling you, most of y'all, if you were at a ball game, you'd stand there. All the, all the people not singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, it's all the Baptists because they don't provide hymn books there. And, you know, you ought to know all the words that Take Me Out to the Ball Game by now. And you ought to know all the words of some of these songs in here. But let me, the preparation and work that went into that moment would have created a great anticipation for what was about to take place. It even says, too, now, now listen, I, I know where you all are probably thinking in your mind, too. Okay? You all are thinking I'm about to create some rules, but I'm going to explain something to you. Notice, too, everyone dressed up for the occasion. It talked about how they were all clothed in white linen. I mean, they, they dressed for the occasion. Okay? Now, and then, too, there was large numbers of people, and large numbers do. That helps the cause. Okay? Every church is better when it's full. Every ball game's more exciting when it's full. There's, just, there's something to be said about crowds. But here's the thing. This is the beauty of the day that we're living in, but yet at the same time, we still mess things up. It's amazing. You know, we're, we're so wicked, we're so carnal. Even when we have every benefit in the world, we find a way to just mess things up and make them worse. But we don't, listen, I, I don't think we need to go to the story and again, try to recreate these things. I don't believe that we need to meet together in an architectural wonder in order to have worship. I don't believe we need that. Even though I think the fact that they're standing there at the, this beautiful building probably created an environment that had them ready to worship. I mean, folks, there's something to be said too. Have you ever been to some of these big fancy churches before? It does. They have the good acoustics and everything. It's pretty neat. In fact, I remember when we went to Israel last time, there was this one church we went into that had, it was known for its amazing acoustics. And I remember we were just all in there and we all just sang a song a cappella. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. You know, and it, you know, when you have an atmosphere like that, it can really help, you know, create the mood. But folks, we don't have to have things like that. You know, Jesus told that woman at Samaria that, you know, true worshipers are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. You're not going to have to just worship in Jerusalem anymore. It's not going to be about a temple. It's not about a place. We can have worship anywhere. We can have worship in, uh, in, in any kind of building. We don't have to get all decked out in white linen. I don't believe that this is a call from God that if we want to have the Holy Spirit show up, we all got to be wearing white. Okay, I don't think that's the case. I believe we have liberty as Christians. We don't have to get decked out in white linen. We don't have to dot a bunch of I's. We don't have to cross a bunch of T's. But it doesn't mean we don't have to prepare our hearts for worship. We don't have to do everything exactly like they did. I don't believe that God even requires us to be super skilled in what we do. I do believe he wants us doing our best though. And I do. I think back then, we see how much emphasis God put on the priests and the Levites. And when they would offer those sacrifices, they needed to do everything just right. I mean, they could die if they didn't do things right. Nadab and Abihu, when they, didn't do, uh, when they offered strange fire, God killed them right there. But, uh, and understand, under grace, we, you know, we're not sitting in our services worrying if we don't do something exactly right, we're just going to drop dead. But I'm afraid that because God has made it so easy for us, we put no effort into it. Because God has not told us you got to do all these things, we just come in with a nonchalant, I don't really give a rip attitude. And that's not right. 
You know what? I'm thankful that we can worship God and we don't have to, we don't have, to have this super expensive building with gold and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, we can't, we can't afford anything like that. I'm glad, that, I'm glad we don't have to do these things. But, you know, so th- there are, there's people who love the Lord and they do their best and they can't carry a tune in a bucket. But, you know what? Some people, they just don't sing very good because they're just lazy and they're not trying. And I, listen, get, we're under grace, ladies and gentlemen. We have liberty. If you get up and during worship time you start singing and you go off key, God's not going to strike you dead. But you know what? Are you singing just really bad because you just don't care? Are you singing really bad because you're just not trying because you aren't in a good mood today? I know the rest of it. I mean, listen, you know, I, I come to church. I, I want to have a moment. When we sing songs like it as well with my soul, I want my spirit to be stirred. I want to get excited. I want us to be united in that moment. But are you so focused on your bad day you're having, on your bad week that you're having, that you're just going to bury your face in your songbook? And it is well. You're going to sing like Henrietta and Myrna. I don't know if anybody watched that video. Just, you know, that's what we got a lot of. We got a lot of Henriettas and Myrnas in church. That's what you look like. You know, they were dumb enough to do that on TV, you know, in front of a camera. But you know what? That's most Baptists every single church service. Just standing like a zombie, just mumbling through the song. I don't, I don't feel like singing. Feel like it. Okay? You know, just, why don't you feel like it? You know, if you don't feel like it, it's because you didn't come focused on God today. You came focused on yourself. You know, there's some people, they come into church and they can't sing like they should. They can't worship like they should because they're too mad at Sister Gertrude who brought the same jello pudding that they were planning on bringing for potluck and now everybody's going to eat theirs and yours. And now you can't worship. And, and, and because we're under grace, God's not going to strike you dead. But you know what? You're going to, you're going to ruin the service for everybody else. None, the rest of us aren't going to have a good time. You got all these people that put all this work into this music so we can have a good moment in church and you're ruining it because something didn't go your way. That's not the right attitude. And you know, it's getting harder and harder for Baptist preachers today to figure out what they can do to just get people in the right frame of mind. They've always just, they, they got to do all these things to build up excitement. They got to find some way to do a big promotion. They've got to find some way to hype it up. Cause if they don't hype it up right, if they don't handle everything just right, people are just going to come in. <laughs> the zombie attitude. And so they do. They got to constantly bring in the entertainers. They got to figure out new acrobats they can do in their sermon. They got to find out the cool, new, fancy, hip and trendy graphics they can make come up so people want to do it. They got, you know, they got to just do all these things. And, and let me tell you too, you know, and I said on, on Twitter, I follow a lot of pastors and I, you know, communicate with a lot that way. But one thing that you see a lot of on, on, on Sundays, you know, I, I saw one today just talking about a lot of the pressure that's on, on you on Sunday. And there is, there's a lot of times there's a pressure on people because they come to church and a lot of times they're depending on the pastor to make sure, you know, they have, you know, it's a good service and that they're moving everything. But then, you know, you do, it's, we're depending on a lot of people. It's not about just us. And so there's a lot of pressure because everybody's kind of looking at you, but you're dependent on everybody else. And then all these people you're dependent on, you know, are having a bad week for something and now they can't do what they're supposed to do and then it's all on you. And then you, you see a lot of things too on Mondays where they just talk about just kind of the Monday blues that come from just Sunday not going so well. 
And then there's always the one pastor everybody hates. Record numbers at church on Sunday. 14 people joined the church. 87 baptized. You know, and it's like, like I had four people chew me out after the service, you know. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it's discouraging. But, folks, the, the truth is, I can't just be, you know, a cheerleader. I mean, what, you know, what do you want me to do? What, what do I got to do to get you to get your face out of the hymn books? What does the song leader have to do? So he's got to get pom-poms. You know, does he got to, you know, do we need to get a human pyramid up here? I mean, folks, is, is that what, you know, why, why do they do that at ball games? Okay, why do they have the cheerleaders? Why do they do all that stuff? Because they need, they, they understand the importance of hyping up the crowd. It creates an excitement. It motivates the players. Listen, you, you want to motivate the preacher? You want to motivate the singers? You know, don't do a human pyramid, but I mean, but, but pay attention, get excited, get involved. And when you do that, it's going to make a difference. And I'm telling you, these people, they were, they were, they were focused. And if you think you're just going to, you know, drag your carcass into church Sunday morning, plop your can down in a seat and have a great moment of worship, it's just not going to happen. Folks, if you're going to have a great moment of worship, especially th- during the, during the music of church, you need to prepare your hearts. And I'm just going to quickly, I want to give you some things to help you prepare, to prepare your hearts, to, to get you ready. I mean, folks, do you want to have a time during the singing? Do you even know what it means to have a time? Do, do I need to take you to a camp meeting? Do we need to have a camp meeting? I, I'm, I'm getting tempted more and more to just, you know, somebody's got to show you guys how to do it. But first off, one thing that will help you prepare your heart for the music and the worship in this church is you do need to become familiar and develop a taste for the music that your church uses. I don't believe the music in our church is the only good music on the planet and everything else is of the devil, Satan himself. I I don't believe that. But uh, Philippians 2.1 says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies... Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Listen, one mind. Okay, we gotta be, we gotta get the same somewhere. Now here's what you gotta understand. Every single person in here has different tastes when it comes to music. You have different favorites. You have songs you like. You have songs that you don't like. Okay? But, at, but at the same time, we have been called to have unity. That is not everyone conforming to your taste. That's not what it is. You have to have someone in the church that's in leadership in this area that kind of sets the agenda on this area. And you, and you need to get behind it. You say, well, I don't really like that music. Well, again, you can you, you got to learn to develop a taste for things. When you If, if you never listen to this stuff, during the week, you know, you're not just going to like it from church. You know, and everyone enjoys songs that they know more than songs that they don't know. So, like, you know, if you were, if you had to have the hymn book for it as well with my soul, you know what? Learn the song. You know, go find some good arrangements of it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of examples of it out there. And, you know, you know and, and target stuff that sounds like the music that we do here. I know... A lot of times it's hard to identify good music, and a lot of people don't know how. And, I, and, and you know, if I have time tonight, I'm hoping to talk about that a little bit. But, e- but either way, if you want to get excited about the music that's going on here in this church, if you want to enjoy it more, 
you need to develop a taste for it. You need to listen to the stuff that we put out. You need to listen to stuff like that. You need to learn these songs, and it's, it's going to help. And again, nobody's saying the only music you're allowed to listen to is the music of your church. No one's saying that. But just understand, the people who get the most out of the music service are the ones familiar with the music in that service. And, so, and you need to get with the program of your local church. Listen, if you, if you just have to have Christian hip-hop to have a moment, I promise you're not going to have a moment that because we're, we're not going to go that way here. But if you're just convinced, if you're fully persuading your own mind Christian hip-hop is the only way you can have a moment, then you just need to go to Christian hip-hop church, okay? Because you're not going to get it here. We're, you know, but you're not gonna form, you know, we're not going to conform to that. But it's okay for you to have your own personal preferences on some things. We're not asking you to be zombies who can't think for yourself, but we're asking you to help us. We're asking you to participate with us and to just follow the lead of the church as we assemble and come together. You might like Christian hip-hop, but when we're singing It Is Well With My Soul and you try doing a beat in the back, you know, whether it's some beatboxing or something to give it a little more rhythm, it's, not, it's just not going to work. Okay? No, you need to sing along the way everyone else is. You can't just do your own thing back there. You know, you don't want to go like all, I don't know what genre it would be, but you know, like while we're singing it as well with my soul, you know, that's not time for you, it is well, you know, when you're going all over the place. You know, that works for a solo and some types of music, but when we're singing as a group, you know, that doesn't work. You can't just go doing your own thing. Okay? Now, some people... They're skilled enough. They know how to kind of just come up with their own thing that they do, and it adds to it, but I don't know. Best just to stick with the program of what's going on. You know? So you know, this is an assembly where we're trying to focus on Christ, but some people want an assembly focused on themselves. That's what they're, that's what they're looking for. And listen, if that's what you want, I recommend you just go start your own cult because that's not what we're here for. And so when you go and you know when you, when you go to a concert of any famous group, you know they don't they're not just going to do all new songs. You know why? Because their fans came to hear them do the songs that they've listened to a million times. And there is, I think it's great doing new songs as a church. But again, we enjoy the songs that we know. If you don't know any of these songs, you need to learn some of these songs. Learn these songs. You will enjoy them more. You will appreciate them more. Everybody's like, oh, we should do some new songs. Listen, you know, everybody wants to hear the old songs. I used to go to some Southern Gospel concerts, okay? Sorry, but, you know, we used to go to some of those. And, and we, did, we wanted to hear the songs we heard a million times. I remember one of the songs that they did, probably one of the most carnal songs, it was the Cathedrals, one of the most carnal songs they did, Climbing Higher and Higher. And I mean, and, and that song wasn't appropriate for church. This was a concert. But, you know, it, it just kind of had this, you know, that way those songs start out. As soon as that started, just like, yeah, I mean, I got excited. It's climbing higher and higher. Very carnal song, but, uh, but it has Christian words. Um, it, not going to justify. But folks, and, and, I mean, as soon as I heard it, got, got excited. That would happen a lot where they, would, they, would, they wouldn't even announce the song. They would start the intro and then people would go crazy. Not even a measure in. They went crazy. You know why? Because they knew what was coming. They were excited. And that's, I'm telling you, that, folks, that should happen in church. You know, you don't have to go that crazy. But, you know, when he says, turn to number whatever, you, you already know what the song is. Now, now you, don't, you don't even need, you know, you, before you even announce the title, you know what the song is, and you don't need the book. You're, you don't need the book. You're just going to sing it. And I'm telling you, that's what, those are the people that are getting excited. And there are, there's, 
there's three types of songs that I enjoy. You know, there's songs that the first time I heard it, I was, it was like an instant hit. I mean, I was like, man, that was awesome. This is going to be one of my favorites. But, you know, there's other songs that really didn't do anything for me the first time. But I heard it, listened to it several times, and eventually, it's like, I really like this song. It, it grew on me. You know, you're not going to like every song the first time. There, you know, and then there's some songs, they became special, you know, after hearing it done in a way that created a memorable experience. And I'm telling you, folks, that's why if we have these good moments in church with some of these songs that are memorable, you know what? It's going to make those songs special and you're going to enjoy them even when they're done in an inferior manner because you kind of have that in your mind. And so become familiar with the music of the church. Second, you, you need to practice. You need to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. Again, we're not under the law. You hit a sour note, God's not going to kill you. That doesn't mean you can't try. That doesn't mean you can't do your best. That doesn't mean you can't try to get better. We're not going to make only people that, you know, never miss a note, you know, join the choir because we, we'd have a really small choir. Okay? You, know, we're, you know, we're going to let people who struggle in these areas, but you know what? That's not an excuse to just not try, not put in effort. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. We'll be edified more if you sing good than if you sing bad. We'll be edified if you sing bad tonight. You know, you know we're all going to be edified if everybody's participating tonight. If there's a lot of people participating, and if they don't look like Henrietta and Myrna, and if they don't look like they're being forced up there, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to be blessed by that. But you know what? We're going to be blessed even more if you do a good job. But you know, either way, we're going to be blessed. No, you're not going to bless anybody if you do nothing. And we're especially not going to be blessed if you do nothing, and then you're criticizing everybody else that's doing something. You won't bless anybody but yourself. You're the one that needs to start your own cult where everyone assembles focused on you. Because that's, that's just how it is. But practicing is what you will, will familiarize you with that song. And, you know, you can over-practice. Did you know there's a song in our hymn book? I'm not even going to say what it is. I don't think we've ever sung it before here. I don't think we've ever sung it before here. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I hate that song. Because years ago when I was in high school... We sang it in a performance, and we sang it, we practiced it so much that when I hear it today, I get PTSD, and, you know, I, and it's just like, but, but you know what, but here, you know, here's why I'm not going to tell you what that song is, and my wife better not try to figure out so she can go tell everybody what it is, but here, here's why I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what that song is, because first off, it's a good song, I just don't like it, but second off, if we start singing that song, I don't need for everyone to know, oh, Brother Tyron doesn't like this song. I, I, don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need to, you know, if you don't like a song, you don't need to tell people about it. And you know what? If we sing that song in church, if it gets picked one of these weeks and we actually do it, I'm going to sing along with it. You know why? Because we're here to worship. We're not just here to sing Pastor Tommy's favorite songs every week. It's, it's a good song. It's got a good message. I'm going to sing along. I'm going to try to edify everyone with it. I'm not going to have an attitude. I'm not going to walk out, you know, or something like that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Because it's not about me. And you know what? I guarantee you there, there's songs in here that people don't like. Oh, so, so what? And don't let anybody know that. Don't bring the focus on you. It's not about you. And so, but preparation, it does, it creates an anticipation that makes the participation a better experience. So, 
Keep that in mind. That's a good line too. You know, preparation creates an anticipation that the part makes the participation a greater experience. And so, uh, prepare, practice, get ready. And then lastly, you need to get focused on the message and who the message is about. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We are teaching. We are admonishing one another with these songs. And let me tell you, our songs should have a message. Songs, our songs do have a message. And let me tell you, it helps when you already have deeply thought about that message, when you know what's coming. Okay? It, there, there's something better. You know, because again, there's some songs that are really good that like the first time I heard it, I like got the message and I was like, wow, that was an awesome song. But then there's other songs that, you know, it was one that was after I thought about it for a while and after I learned the song and I started, and I, I had to take time to really think about the words and I'm like, man, this is a really good song, you know, and when you do, when you, you're familiar with that message, it's, for example, the song, it's under the blood, I call it the camp meeting anthem. All right. It, it, it is. There's a great message of that song, but in, in pretty much any camp meeting, as soon as it gets to the chorus and they're like, it's under the blood, everybody takes off running. Okay. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you all to run laps in service, but, but here's the thing. All those people running laps. I've watched the videos a million times. They know what's coming. They don't hear it's under the blood and they're like, oh man, that's good and take off running. No, they know it's coming. They've heard the song before. Oh, and, you know, and they're, they're, hear, they're hearing the words of that song. They're listening to all the things they're saying about the accuser and all that. And they do. And they're just, they're just waiting. Oh man, here it comes, here it comes. It's under the blood. And, ah, you know, they just lose it. You know, what's, what's going on? They've thought about that message before and it gets exciting. And let me tell you, if you don't, you don't want... Again, I don't, I'm not asking anybody to run aisles or anything, but if you don't get excited about the song, It's Under the Blood, if that message doesn't excite you a little bit, you don't think about your salvation very much. I'm just telling you that right now. You have, you've probably been saved way too long without ever taking any time to remind yourself of what God did for you. And that, you know, there's a great message of that song. And it's like that with a lot of the songs we sing. There is a fantastic message. Folks, they did that fancy modulation. We did the cool key change. We got all that great orchestra going. Right when we get to the fourth verse of It Is Well With My Soul, that I have thought about a lot, especially since I've understood the fact that, you know, what that's explaining is what's in Revelation 6. I've got a picture in my mind of what it's going to be like when the rapture comes. And let me tell you, I've got a whole playlist that I listen to regular of all rapture songs. And I do. They get me excited. They, they're, I mean, the, the one song that I like, and I'm just going to admit I like it right here. I don't know if the IFB sanctified this one yet. Yet, you know, I, it might still be considered a little contemporary, and I hate to admit that, but I hope it gets sanctified so we can start using it because it's a cool song. But how, how many of that song, Behold Our God? Okay. Now, folks, when I listen to that song, I've, I've heard it done by several groups and some very well. It's like I just... I start thinking about the rapture. I start thinking about Jesus coming back. I, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about you know, Jerusalem and Israel this year, and I started, I started thinking, you know, wouldn't it be cool if when Jesus comes back, you know, when we're eight, he's here with us and we're able to see him? I thought, wouldn't it be cool if they're at Jerusalem? And I can, I, I can picture the place. I can picture the surroundings. There's going to be times when there's going to be just multitudes there to see Jesus. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, before he, like, came out, we started singing that song, Behold Our God. And like the song just kind of builds. And then when it gets to the last part, Behold Our God, like just Jesus came out and 
started doing something cool. <laughs> you know, starts ascending, shining, or something like that. Can you imagine with thousands of people, instruments and everything going? And so the thing is, you know, I'm, going, I'm driving home last night listening to that song, just thinking about that in my mind. And you know what? I kind of had a good time. I, it, it felt pretty good. Listen, some of y'all, you know, you're, you're, you're not prepared. And listen, when, I, when, you, when you have moments like that even by yourself, it's even better when it's in church. And that's what I, 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 want, I want to have that when I go to church. I don't want to sing with a bunch of Henriettas and Myrnas. I want to sing. With, I'd rather sing with camp meeting people. I want to sing with people that get excited. I want to get. I want to sing with people that are excited about the message, that are looking forward to these things. And we we should be able to do that. But you're going to have to do that, folks. This week, you need to go and you need to li- you need to listen to some good music. You need to listen to the kind of music we sing here at the church. You need to learn these songs. You need to get familiar. You need to think about these things. You need to meditate on these messages. And you need to come to church thinking, man, I, I hope the singing is good today. And I'm telling you, there's something. It is, it's, it's motivating. You know, so I have a song leader, he looked kind of dead today. Well, maybe it's because he's staring at a bunch of corpses. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? And Brother Daniel does a pretty good job, I think, of getting people's attention. I enjoy watching him song lead and stuff. But you know what? Let's not, let's not make him fake it. You know, let's, let's make it easy for him. You know, uh, you know if, and if, we have, if your hearts were right, chances are, and if you were singing right, and if you were singing to your potential, we'd probably have to tell them to tone it down a little bit, you know. But at the same time, I'm not worried about that yet at this point. But listen, worship and music, singing, these are a very major part of our worship. And we need to take it serious. We need to prepare. And I, do, I believe worship through singing should be a wonderful experience. But we always need to beware of turning it into an experience of the flesh. That, that's a possibility. You know, instead of the spirit, it is a constant danger we need, to not, we need to watch out for. And defining good and bad music, it is a very difficult thing to do. And, and in any attempt to do it, it will get you ridiculed every time. But Lord willing, tonight, I'm hoping to just kind of briefly help you with this concept of identifying music that's for the spirit rather than the flesh. Because it is a very important thing. And so having said all that, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have another song. I think we need a do-over on it as well with my soul. Because, and, yeah, I'm, and I'm going, to, I'm going to stay up here, I'm going to watch and see if anybody listened to the preaching. And if you didn't, I might have to preach it again. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for uh, just the wonderful gift of music, and Lord, the just the... Uh, I'm thankful for a Bible that uh, teaches us so many wonderful things that we can put into words and uh, sing praise to you for just uh, for you know your awesome power that we're able to uh, just try to uh, give a message out about through music. And I pray you'll help us in this, Lord, to keep our focus right. I pray you'll help us to prepare our hearts every week for, uh, for worship. And I pray we'll take these things serious. In your name we pray. Amen.